You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Monday, 13 February, to tell results due today. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, uh, Mateta Tulare from RMB. The rand suddenly just started collapsing. Is it us? Is it the dollar? And uh, I suppose the big issue. We, as a country, we do seem a little obsessed with it, but it is our favorite rand. Dennis Hobson from Investec. And supply chains, I, I get the sense that they're normalizing. Certainly freight rates are down. I, I want to get his insight from that. Uh, and in Inventory levels, do they start coming down at some point? And then Jan Nelson, uh, CEO of Copper 360s, uh, a listing coming to market later in February, interested in details around the company and the proposed listing uh, process. Uh, obviously, invest, uh, mining uh, copper. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from uh, News 24. Standard Bank cautiously optimistic on growth as SA works around load shedding. They expect 2023 GDP at 1.3%. That's giant. Uh, Business Day, inversely, uh, dividend payouts likely to fall as load shedding hits profits. Shareholders can expect smaller payouts as firm keep capital for investment and power backup. Uh, morning markets, uh, US was mixed, S&P was up 0.2%, NASDAQ down 0.6%, Asia is red, Sydney down 0.2%, and Tokyo wolf 1.1%. Commodities uh, mixed, but PGMs under severe pressure, gold 1,872, Brent 85.70, platinum 946, palladium 1,534. Rand, 1794. Bitcoin, 21,800. Tencent, off half a percent in Hong Kong. And top 40 opening call, uh, 90 odd points to the downside. That's a little over 0.1%. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Training now with uh, Mateta Talari, uh, head of uh, head FX execution at RMB. Mateta, appreciate the early morning time. The, the, the rand, which as you rightfully call it, the rattlesnake currency, and and one that we spend probably a disproportionately amount of time as citizens watching, it suddenly just started I mean, collapsing. I mean, you, you're reading it. Is this is this uh, state of the nation? Is this uh, uh, U.S. dollar strength? I mean, we're suddenly at seventeen ninety five. Good morning, Simon. I suppose it's a combination of issues. I mean, if you think about it, we Africa's most industrialized economy at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the RAND is headed for a fourth weekly loss. I mean, just as, as we're tracking this against the dollar. And I think this is the longest uh, losing streak since um, the EM sell-off in October. Now, this time, the RAND is really the underperformer. Um, and I think it is already 4.7% down this year and i mean we're only six weeks into the year <laughs> and most of these other other peers the likes of the chilean peso you know they on the opposite side of the spectrum having gained about six percent so it shows you that i mean since the start of the year the rand has been one of the 
worst performers um, in, in the EM space. I mean, if you think about the likes of Turkey at this point in time, obviously, given what's happened there from that unfortunate natural disaster there, mm. that's obviously, you know, put them in on the back foot. But nonetheless, I think some of the key drivers for the RAND has been obviously um, the risk premium towards the worsening power situation. I mean, whether we like it or not, I mean, you've seen even the central bank coming out last week to state how much money we're losing as a country, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis, given uh, this electricity supply constraint. So I think also the market confidence is low, um, especially given the response to the ongoing crisis that has been coming through and obviously uh, capitulated by the strong dollar. Now, I think obviously turning the tide for the market would obviously be how does the country obviously um, impose, um, you know, some sort of restraint given the fact that for 13 consecutive months now, we've had load shedding. And I think this is obviously, as you say, a situation whereby also now, every sort of market participant and uh, research house, economic house, everybody's now readjusting their forecasts. I mean, we've seen forecasts for South Africa ranging from 0.3% to some calling for 1.6% growth this year. But I mean, if you think about it, you know, the, there's been numerous um you know, sectors of the uh, the economy that are calling for some sort of, you know, power uh, situation and obviously the declaring of the state of disaster. Because if you think about it, the agricultural sector is suffering from load shedding. We've seen the amount of chickens that have been thrown away, the mining sector, mm-hmm. the likes of Sibania, mm-hmm. implants, all coming out to say, look, this is also going to hamper their production numbers. Um, you know, it ranges to, to even the manufacturing sector. We can go on and on. But also, it's about, you know, what's happening from a global perspective. I mean, there's still talks about a potential recession. We don't know whether the Fed is still going to hike by another 25 or even more um, interest rate hikes. You know, globally, the ECB, BOJ, the BOE, it still feels like a lot of moving parts, uh, to be honest. And I think at this point in time, everything else being equal, and obviously if the situation locally gets slightly worse, I think we could be heading above 18 this uh, morning as the local market gets in. We do know that the 18 figure is obviously really a big psychological level for us. Yeah, and looking at that, Rain, I mean, the last year, what, April it was 14.50. As you say, October it was 18.50. Uh, this is a, a rattlesnake of, of note. We'll leave it there, Matita Tulari, head FX execution at RMB. 18 as the market opens. It seems quite probable. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favour and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, Investing in the Stanlib Kanyisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Dennis Hobson. He's Investec for Business, Head of Logistics. Dennis, appreciate the time again early morning. Uh, supply chains, we chatted about it before. The data I'm sort of seeing suggesting that that, that supply chains are, are improving. I mean, if, if I look at freight rates out, out of the U.S., if I look at Baltic Dry Index, and there's lots of pros and cons to that Baltic in, uh, uh, Index, certainly a lot lower, and in some cases back at, at, at pre-pandemic levels. Have things normalized? Good morning, uh, Simon. So I think there have been um, 
big improvements uh, within the supply chain, um, well, within segments of the supply chain. Mm. Um, if we look at schedule reliability, that's been improving month on month, but it's still behind uh, the pre-COVID um, performance on time um, reliability. The capacity availability, I mean, that's what's improved drastically in the market, um, as well as equipment availability. Um, locally in South Africa, we still see that you know, port and rail um, still are not operating efficiently. Um, and we also see that you know, there are production delays around the world. But essentially, freight rates have been coming down. Um, they're more or less in line with pre-COVID level peak times. Um, but we do see that there is a lot of pressure on the freight rates. And certainly between the shipping lines, we see that there's a lot of competition between the shipping lines to attract um, additional volume. And that, in one way to do that is by reducing freight rates. Okay, and that makes sense. You, you want to ship full, not half, so you maybe drop the rates. We're talking rates then, you alluded it to I me. Mean, another part of the supply chain, of course, is, is manufacturing. I mean, locally, uh, uh, load shedding must be, must be hurting quite significantly. Uh, globally, uh, I think in the US, perhaps labor issues, because that labor market seems incredibly tight. Is manufacturing sort of coming to the party at the same time as, as freight rates are? We're seeing uh, manufacturing delays across most uh, geographies. Um, I mean, yes, you have uh, labor issues um, both in the USA, but you've also seen multiple strikes and labor issues throughout Europe as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But manufacturing in in China has has definitely been impacted, and that's really on the back of um, these COVID waves, the bedding experiencing, factories having to to close um, for a period of time. So output on the manufacturing side has has been impacted, and that also goes across into uh, Europe and USA that, that rely on components from, from China as well. So it's you know, both a, a local and a global issue. Um, you know, I think there's also a, a matter of you know, production lead times are a lot longer. There's less predictability in terms of where orders are placed or deposits are paid so we could actually be ready. Um, and that also places um, pressure on, on companies uh, working capital. So the one interesting thing, though, is you know, if you look at oh, no, that being the new gold, for, for lack of a better term, but you know, there's a lot of demand um, for the solar and, and, and backup energy solutions or, or power solutions, and we see that there's manufacturing backlogs on that as well, but that's driven by demand. Um, so there's yeah. two folds in terms of manufacturing output um, and, and delays that come with that. You mentioned China there, and I mean, you know, they've gone from 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 the hard COVID lockdown to to I mean, just completely opening. And and it's my sense is it's often very difficult to really get a a strong read or a, a, an accurate read in what's happening there. I mean, are we getting any sense that that economy is back to normal, getting back to normal? And I stress the getting back to normal, because to your point, uh, you know, there, there, there's been massive waves of the pandemic, which certainly must have created interruption. Yes, I think. You've got both the manufacturing output that, that affects the economy. Um, I mean, they are in a recovery phase. You've also had, you know, the lack of confidence in some of the Chinese the, the government policies there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where there's been a lack of confidence. So, you know, but do they, you know, manufacturers reinvest there or they, they look at that setting up factories elsewhere? So, you know, it's for, for trying to, to rebuild um, confidence, there's no, um, no doubt that they want to be attractive um, and rebuild their confidence. Um, and the other side, you've also got, you know, global demand has, has uh, decreased as well. So that's also yeah. pressure on their, especially their, export, uh, their export output demand. Um, and then obviously you said, you know, COVID, uh, the COVID waves have been impacting um, manufacturing output. But, you know, it's probably too early to say what the total impact will be.
A last question. We chatted before around inventory levels. Those obviously have been rising as as, as, as companies went from sort of just in time to <laughs> to just in case and, and stockpiled up. I mean, is, is that sort of working its way out? And initially, my, my I would expect that it, it was a lot of it was knee jerk. Just you know, get the widget into the warehouse if you can. Are they starting to perhaps try and work smarter to 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 try and keep those inventory levels in check, or is it still just too many moving parts? Well, there certainly are you know, numerous moving parts still. But if we look back at you know, Q1, Q2, 2022, mm. you know, there was still that whole focus on you know, ship at all costs, make sure that you have inventory on hand. Um, but that definitely started changing. I mean, you know, when, when the Russia-Ukraine war broke out and all the talks about inflation and recession issues, um, you know, demand decreased, but there was high levels of, of inventory. Um, and that's, you know, been, been working out, out the system. I think, you know, we'll start going back to more uh, you know, forecast demand planning um, and, and, and folks on trying to carry the right type of in, inventory. We've also seen you know, certain certain importers will reduce it or cut out certain SKUs because they're not, you know, it's not feasible to carry. Um, and you also got to keep mm-hmm. in mind the rates of exchange um, as well as interest rates. You know, that also impacts your, your the working capital, um, the cost of importing, the landed cost. So it's becoming you know, a big balancing act now in terms of what inventory levels to hold and, and what inventory you hold as well. We'll leave that there. Uh, that's Dennis Hobson, Investec for Business, Head of Logistics. Appreciate the early morning. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Training now with Jan Nelson, uh, CEO at Copper360, listing in the market later this month. Jan, appreciate the early morning time. Before we get to the mechanics of the, the what's and where's around Copper360, uh, copper demand itself uh, globally just remains robust. And uh, as someone once said to me, uh, you simply can't argue with uh, the periodic table and, 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 and that is what is going to drive copper. Yes, that's absolutely right. I mean, and if you look at the, you know, the, the supply in the world is halving over the next 10 years. And if you just look at the infrastructure development and EVs, you know, EVs are going to require about 20, 30, 42 million tons of copper and supply uh, will only be 10 million tons. So, you know, the fundamentals are in favor of, of, of a fairly robust copper price. Your, your your operations that you're looking at up up in the Northern Cape. I mean, is this? I mean, my sense around the Northern Cape when I when I chat with old school miners is that there are literally hundreds of mines in that region, um, and and many of them perfectly viable in in, in this day and age. Are, are you going back to old mines? Are you are you looking at at, at you know exploration? Where are you in, in in the process? No, we're not doing exploration. We've built one plant that's currently producing uh, copper plates mm-hmm. from the reworking of old rock dumps that was left behind. So we're rehabilitating and making copper. But we are in the process of building three new processing plants, and they will be targeting uh, old mines that were developed by Newmont and Goldfields with full data sets. So they've got all the development in place. The ore bodies have been drilled out. And, uh, you know, in the copper slump of the 1990s and 2000s, everybody just moved away from the area, but we continued working the area. So we're going back into those now. And, uh, you know, they are very good 
pre-developed and, and all the infrastructure is in place. That's a great point because th- th- this was, as you say, I mean, this was solid work done by the likes of Goldfields and others back in the 90s. You, you're kind of going in and, and you've, I'm imagining you almost got a blueprint of exactly the how, what and where. Yes, that's it. I think, I think the, the scale of, of, of the deposits are the right scale for a, a mid-tier junior company like ourselves. They're probably too small for, for the likes of the big majors. Mm. But for us, they fit, they fit perfectly. And, and, you know, we're focusing on grade, uh, not so much on volume. Um, and, and so I think that's why these deposits work out very well for us. And as you said, we have the blueprint for mining and developing them. You, you mentioned that you've that you've already uh, uh, producing some. I mean, what is your sort of medium term target in, in in the amount that you would be looking to be able to sell? We currently, for the full year, will produce on an analyzed basis about one thousand two hundred tons of of A grade copper metal from our current plant. Mm-hmm. But in the next two years, we're building that up to about eight thousand tons of copper metal. Uh, with the uh, construction of the three new processing plants that we're building. In, in, in terms of, 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 of logistics, I mean, have you, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, we've seen updates from, from almost every company on, on the market. Uh, rail, port, power are the, are the huge challenges which, which folks are running into. I'm imagining those are part of your thinking at, at, at this stage. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we work well with the municipality in the area, um, and uh, there has been periods where the municipality hasn't load shedded us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but load shedding is a reality. So we will, in the next two months, start construction of a, a 10 uh, MVA uh, solar plant that should be finished by the end of the year. And that will just help us in terms of the, of the blackouts that we, we do have. You know, our process is very reliant on, on electricity. It can't stop. Mm-hmm. So that is an uh, that that is a that is a plant that we will be we will be start construction on. And and is is this fairly shallow mines where you, where, where you are actually mining? I mean, some of it, as you mentioned, it, it's literally just rocks that we left behind. In terms of the mining, is is this fairly shallow? Most of it's open pit, okay. um, and one or two of the deposits are very shallow underground, about thirty to two hundred meters below surface. Okay, now that's proper shallow. Let's move to the listing. Uh, currently unlisted, looking to come to market uh, later in February. Is this a, a, a private placement? Or are you doing a capital raise? No, we are doing a raise. The mm-hmm. the, the listing is is scheduled for the end of uh, February, and we're well on our way. We've completed most of the documents for the JSE on the Alt-X, um, and we are raising about 260 million rand in terms of our capital expansions that will happen over the next two years, and we've secured most of that capital. Do you know what your listing code, do you have that data from the JSE yet? No, not yet, not okay. yet. Okay, we will wait for that, because that, that, that's the crunchy number, Copper 360, we need to know what that what the alpha code will be in the JSE. Yeah, Nelson, Copper 360, Chief Executive Officer, appreciate the early morning. And that's our poll today, uh, chatting with you on there. Uh, Copper, I mean, you can't argue with the periodic table. Uh, is this an interest that, enlisting, in, in that is interesting you? You can have your vote, you can have your say on LinkedIn and Twitter. <laughs> That's it for today. We were chatting around Sona on Friday morning. The president's plan for a state of disaster and electricity minister, which is going to solve the load shedding crisis. We asked you, will these measures help bring back the power? Uh, the answer was no. Uh, over 80% of you said that the government is not the answer, uh, with around 12% of you saying you've already gone off grid and maybe, I mean, Let's be honest, that probably is the answer for right now. Uh, The rest say it does look like a good idea. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.
We're live every weekday morning. The MoneyWeb website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Norbochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, talking listed credit outlook. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now. On the money.